You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Brittany Pierce, Sean Salisbury, it's just a good thing you can't hear what we talk about before we actually go on stream. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good to be with you. Hey, good to be with you. Uh, yesterday's a very depressing day because you realize there's no NFL football until September. Let's rehash the season. Let's rehash Sunday. Any aspect of the game that just surprised the hell out of you? Surprised me? I, I, yeah, the way that... Zach Taylor called the game late, bothered me. I, I thought that he he had a tendency to play not to win, play not to lose as opposed to play to win. I, I thought he played it out of character for me, for him, really. I, I, I don't think if he had to do it 50 more times that he would do it that way again. I don't. I mean, the third and one call, the fourth and one call. Hell, I didn't even like the, third, the second down call. I didn't like that Mixon wasn't on the field on third and fourth. It reminded me of when Pete Carroll left Reggie Bush on the sideline. See, my dogs are even going crazy. Reggie Bush on the sideline in the national title game with Wendell White in the back in the backfield with uh, with uh, Reggie Bush on the sidelines against the Texas Longhorns at the Rose Bowl for that national title game. So for me, it I, I didn't like those. I, I, I'm not shocked, but I, I I thought that the Bengals would make adjustments, offensive line and protection purposes in the middle of the third quarter and beyond. Um, I didn't like the fact they got the turn. They had a chance to, I don't want to say put the game away, but put their foot on the throat when they scored the touchdown to open the third quarter and then pick the ball off and didn't go kick it, score a touchdown. They kicked a field goal. And, you know, I knew Cooper Cup was going to do his. And I, I just, even if you're going to throw that last ball, Grant, on fourth and one, I didn't like the play design. Straight drop back. The pocket was caving. Get him on the move so he has three or four options on Burrow on the fourth and one call. I just, I didn't think the situation was too big for him, and I never really felt like Cincinnati, other than a couple big plays, got into an offensive rhythm like they like I felt like they were taking over the game. Hell, if not for a couple big plays, it even might have been worse than that. And I couldn't have been more proud of Stafford, you know, to throw a couple picks and still to fight back. How can you not like that? And it proved one thing for the Rams that, is, that has been steadfast throughout. When they win, their stars dominate games. Yeah. Stafford. Donald, Cooper Cup, uh, Beckham was had a good uh, game. Jalen Ramsey had his troubles. But when you're facing Chase and some big plays, that's tough to do. So I wouldn't say shocked. I, I was a little bit shocked, even though they've been giving up a lot of sacks. Protection scheme and how piss poor it was late for Cincinnati and their inability to – they looked a little timid with a buck 40 or so to go in the game, which has not been like them. Your dogs, by the way, aren't – 
they have, it has nothing to do with the fucking game and what you're talking about. It's that fucked up shirt that you're wearing. Your dogs, you don't know this, but they're Yankee fans and they're looking at your shit and it's driving them crazy. I mean, let me, let me tell you something, dude. I'll have you throwing away every fucking Yankee thing you've got. You know what? Okay. You're not well. Hey, why don't you guys spend more money and underachieve a little more too? Could you guys do that you maybe know, the last couple years? Let me tell you something. You know, when you even get to five, let alone twenty-seven championships, <laughs> give me a fucking call, all right? Why? You know what's great about that is no matter how much shit anybody talks about the Yankees, there's always that trump card that's, hey man, great. Uh, you hanging twenty-seven from the Raptors, you dumb motherfucker. Yeah, no, you're right. Hey, okay, can we keep it within the last two decades? Maybe the last decade. <laughs> hey, but, hey, read this and weep, okay? CDSB, that makes for you're my bitch when it comes to baseball. My dogs be wearing a Red Sox hat. Man. I mean, I, I respect the Yankees. I ain't got no Yankee hat in the house, so I'll tell you that right now. And I love them, but I, I love and respect them. I love the rivalry. Because yeah. when I say I love them, you know damn well I'm full of yeah. shit when I say I love them. I don't love them, okay? I love the Red Sox, but I love the rivalry. You know, you were talking about play calling. It's kind of similar to what we saw with Kyle Shanahan, you know, in that one sequence. I agree with you on the second down call. See, to me, in that situation, under two minutes, all you need to do is move the chains, and you can't take anything for granted. Second and one, you know, along the near sideline, you have Chase, and Ramsey's playing more than 10 yards off the line. That's pitch and catch, automatic first down. Keep the chains. Give yourself extra downs. I think coaches have a tendency to get too greedy sometimes instead of taking what is there. And, again, in that situation, you have one of the best kickers in football, a guy that's good for maybe 60 yards. First down should be the number one priority there, not trying to get a big play. Yeah, and I think he was 14 of 14 in the postseason, Grant, I, I believe. Yes. And a lot of long rangers. What, what bothered me too is, and, and it and it chaps my ass, is it, and like I said, hey, we all, I, and I was thinking from my living room, this isn't like hindsight shit. When they got the second down and didn't get it, the third and fourth down, I had, I'm thinking, okay, I, I'm already, I was already thinking about fourth down and one, what I would do. And we had a play we called sprint right flat in in Minnesota. And every team has, they call it different, which gives you really a quick flat, another one over the top of the flat, uh, a whip out on a, like on a bunch set, a whip out where the guy whips out and he's running with the quarterback on the movement. And then you got somebody over the top working the 15 yard where if you got to throw a pat Mahomes before you take it, at least you got a shot, right? And we do that at the goal line or on, on third or fourth and one. But you're right on that second down call. See, to me, in that situation, not only I, I play aggressive, but I play smart aggressive. And I, what happens when you get to fourth down on that, then it's desperation, right? It's like, oh, let's hope. I don't want to be in a hope situation. I want to secure the points. So give me the first down on second down. Then we got to, we got to buck 30 and two timeouts. We've got plenty of time. And this team has seen to – they know how to put their foot on your throat late. I mean, they, they you know, that feeling, had they go down and kick the field goal or scored, obviously the game's over, but if they kick the field goal, then all the pressure jumps right back on the Rams not to go three and out and give Burrow the ball back, right? So, and you feel real comfortable with your kicker for 58 yards or 55 yards, especially when it's covered and there's no weather in play. So I would have, I don't like, I don't like a throwaway fade route, especially when it's a misread on a, on a, Put me in the shoes of Burrow there. You've been in those situations. So take me in the shoes of Burrow in that situation. You're looking at the defense, and you see you got Chase. Easy pitch and catch for a first down. Is that 
somewhat inexperienced? Is it the moment? Is it Burrow's personality who's always trying to go for that big play? What do you think's going through his mind? What do you think the read is there on that second one? Yeah, he seems methodical. If I'm not mistaken, Grant, didn't I look up and see the chase had stopped and the ball was thrown down the field? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm not even sure – and the off cover, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out because it's hard for me, and maybe we'll find out as we go along. I'm trying to figure out. And if the, one of the questions I'd ask Joe if I was his buddy or would have been in there, I, I would ask myself, Was that a misread? And we're all talking about third and fourth down. I, I'm thinking second down for a second here. If I got that big a cushion, the play is a hitch route or the quick, what we call a smoke screen, catch and get it out to chase and in the open field, make the corner, make a tackle, even if it's after a two yard gain, it's a first down, right? Because they had the big play on first down and a nice job. And if they were pressing, and here's the thing, if they pressed, I didn't, I got to go back and watch this and maybe they'll show it from, that's why I wish sometimes we had the all 22 camera on the network feed. I mean, you know, for us, because I really would have liked to seen what the pre-snap read for Burrow was, because just to take you through what we are and what we think is if it's press man and you can't get over the top, a lot of teams, depending on what your adjustment is, when you've got two zone, which is two safeties over the top and zone, if it's called a hitch, which is a six-yard hitch route, right, we run automatic outside release, automatic fade. If it's too deep zone on a hitch, we don't throw hitch routes in, in pro football into rolled-up corner because, well, you're throwing a hitch route into a corner who's standing there in the flat waiting to pick the ball off. It's a stupid. So it's an automatic adjustment outside Automatic outside release up in the hole. But that ball, if you're going to throw it there, would be a rip shot before the safety gets there. So if it's two man or press, or let's say it's press bail. If it's press bail, man, I get what I'm saying here so people know that, and you know this, but if a press man, and all of a sudden at pre-snap it looks like press. So Burrow's thinking, even if there was a single high safety, so you got a chance to take a shot. If it's press, the first thing I think about is, I'm throwing a fade for a touchdown. Right now, and he's going to go by, I'll take a shot on second down, because your thought is, I got two downs to get a yard. And if you're in the Super Bowl and you can't get a yard on two downs, as a quarterback being aggressive, you think we're horseshit anyway. Right. And they're not horseshit. So, but what happened is the receiver stops and the ball still went down the field. So I'm thinking, did, did was it a misread? Did Yeah, but pre-snap, though, pre-snap, Chase's – at the bottom of your screen as you're watching it on TV, and Ramsey is to the, to the quarterback's right. To the to quarterback's, quarterback's right. right, and he's uncovered. Ramsey is literally ten yards. Okay. And going right, back, so- to the, and that hit should be built in. So if they, if that's a play off coverage, and Joe misread it somehow, because in my book, and I'm not blaming it on him, but if if, if it goes back and at the snap of the ball, like you said on second down, that corners off ten yards or more. And I can, you know, or, or eight yards, 10 yards. Yep. That, if it's a hitch, adjust, you know, you have the option. Hitch adjust to a fade if it's press. Well, if he's off coverage and press bail, the receiver's job is to do just that sit down. Yep. So maybe Joe misread it. And that's why the ball went down there instead of give me a six yard hitch or an eight yard stop route and give him the ball right now, let him do work. Yep. And so they missed it. So the, 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 I, I, I don't like throw. I, I don't mind to throw way down on second ten in the second quarter when it's seven to seven. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Seven to three. Take your shot. Well, you saw him throw the deep ball. Ramsey got caught up and he makes the big play to chase. But I do. I'm trying to preserve points first. Then I'll take my. Then I'll waste downs late. I. I. I it's like a pitcher. Zero and two in inning two with a five run lead. Throw an off speed pitch. Bounce it in the dirt. Who gives a shit, right? Yeah. But in the eighth or ninth ninth inning. 
runner on second base with one out. I, I can't waste a pitch because if I waste a pitch and put the other guy on, now open a base, fine. Let's say there was no base open. Or you bounce it and you walk him and you're up two and then the next guy gets to hit a three-run blast if you miss a pitch there, game's over. See, there's there's a time and a place for it, right? I don't like wasting downs in fourth quarter games in a Super Bowl that or misreads. Those have to be done because I think we all take for granted, oh, third and one, fourth run, this is easy. Well, when you're running Aaron Donald, ain't shit easy about it. I didn't like the play call, and it led to a fourth down desperation, and they pushed the pocket, and Burrow had no chance. I didn't really think it was that well played of a game, to be honest with you. Agreed. Agreed. I really didn't. I think for a Super Bowl, it was sloppy. I thought you could really pick at both coaching staffs. I thought McVay's play calling in the second half was very suspect, staying with the run. You mentioned Cincinnati. You know, again, I I don't know if that's just – you got to remember, this is the longest that the season's ever gone, you know, an extra game. I, I don't know if that factors into it. We saw a lot of injuries during the game, but I, I just didn't think it was that well played compared to what we had seen in the championship games and the four divisional games. You know what's weird, Grant? It's so crazy you said that. I thought I thought it was – listen, you look at the score and you think epic, right, 23-20. And listen, hell, it came down to the final drive. That's what we all hope for. But just the whole substance of the game – I did not think it was well played. I thought there was a lot of sloppy play. I thought there was missed opportunities. I thought there was – we saw a couple big plays. But I'm with you. Like the third quarter after the, the, the home run for the touchdown and then the pick, That well, to me that's where – even though it was in three points, that's where the tempo and the game of who's flexing their muscles the most. The Rams started to whoop that ass in the front seven, right, at the line. Because in true Cincinnati's offensive line, maybe not in the run game, but protecting the pass, they did a pretty decent job early. Yep. But the second half, the, the, it would just be, I think it was uh, Donald got a sack late, which forced him to kick a field goal on, that, on a drive in the first half. And then they went haywire with all the pressures in the second half, right? And I'm with you. I, third quarter bored me. Not that they care about what I think. And I'm like, okay, energy. Because after that first play to shut, come out, I think, oh, we're in for one of those 31-point to, between the two teams mixed second halves yep. and it never really it never really got momentum going you know even the rams would go a couple three and outs and punt you get a pick you, you, you know and the, before you know it but they made the plays the the no look pass that stafford threw to i don't know if you've seen the end zone look yeah Grant. that's amazing amazing uh and you i always preach throwing a guy open in anticipation from the end zone for the for the fan that doesn't understand and sees if I put a freeze frame on it, you'd say there is no fucking way that guy threw that ball there for a completion under that duress with that kind of pressure in a game. Yeah. Looks here, throws here, but it wasn't trying to be cute. Right, he worked and worked and worked him and kept him there and came back and knew exactly where Cup was nowhere even near the window. Right, it's called throwing him open, and that was a, as good an anticipation under. We've seen Eli make great throws. We've seen Brady make great throws. That Mahomes, that belongs in that category. But I'm with you. I thought the game was – yeah. Uh, I, uh, there was there was energy missing, but I understand why – that's why I thought that they were going to play in the 20s. I didn't think it was a 30s game. Why didn't and, and so it was – I took the Bengals. I made – I won the bet, but I just never yeah. – I, I, I never – it never got to the point where I was like – sitting on the edge of my seat other than the beginning yep. and when you open the third quarter and then on the fourth quarter drive i'm getting nervous for both teams you know like what's going to happen here but right i think there was a lot of average football played understandably so in a game of that pressure but i've seen better i've seen worse but it was just it was okay 
All right, first series of the game, Cincinnati has the ball at midfield and they go for it. You know, if you look at the replay, Burrow made the wrong read there. He had Higgins absolutely wide open in the flat. Two guys went to chase, and that was a bad read for Burrow. Would have kept the drive going, and obviously the Rams get the ball in good field position. Boom, they go down. It's 7 nothing. I think if you get that first down, maybe you get at least three points on that drive. Not a lot of people are talking about that play. All the points that up during a game, that was a bad miss by Burrow there. He just completely misread that play. Hell of a point. I opened my show this week by – with that very thing. I didn't like to open the game. And I know they say, oh, it's only the first quarter. Well, I know one play doesn't matter, but when you take that one, the second, third, and fourth down on the last drive, uh, a, a drop ball somewhere else, a missed throw here, that's six to eight, like I always say, and they add up. And then they got points off it. Yep. They had points off that damn thing. As you mentioned, they go down and score through the Rams. Short fields. And, that's right. And you can't give good teams the short field. You just can't. Nope. Look at the difference. You gave the Bengals the short field in the third quarter. They kicked a field goal. You gave the Rams the short field in the first quarter. They scored a touchdown. What was the final score? 23 to 20. Four-point swing. They had the three-point victory. That's four points. I mean, if you look about it, and didn't hold them either to a field goal or just get the first down. And, Grant, I, uh, there's a rule. And, uh, and Tom Moore and Brian Billick, when we were in Minnesota, each there was – taught a great rule and I've lived by it. And, and it was taught early, but it's people put it in different verbiage. You And I tell quarterbacks this all the time. We always are anticipating making a more spectacular play, right? Make the spectacular play. Well, I can tell you this, that, that that's, I've talked to the simple play and I, you never, the simple play is important. And that was a simple read for Joe Burrow. Never pass up an open short guy to hope that there's a, that hope fact, to hope that there's a bigger play available to you. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, running away when you've outflanked the coverage, get it to him now in the first quarter. We'll tee the play up again later. And then you got a stationary route where the guy's sitting there where there's no movement run away, and, and you throw it in, and your eyes are there. So what's the underneath guy do? Runs right to it. Because yeah. in zone coverage, what are they doing? They're going to run right to it. And if you free a guy up, once he clears that flat route, clears – Clears the the his his whoever the that guy is that's either covering him in man or who outflanks in zone. Put your foot in the ground and throw it right there. Joe will go back and know that he missed a few in this game. He will. He wasn't as sharp as he normally is. If you're the general manager of the Bengals and you look at Burrow's injury last year with the torn knee, and you look at the beating that he took, particularly in the Tennessee game, the hits that he took in the Super Bowl. Is that your number one concern going into the offseason that you've got to solidify that offensive line? I thought they did a really good job against Kansas City, but we're talking about a young quarterback in only a second year. You know better than anybody watching. You know what it's like to get hit, and you played in an era where you were allowed to actually hit the quarterback. But how big of a concern would that be for you going forward with Burrow? Uh, Big. Carson Palmer told me on my show a couple days before the game, uh, he's not concerned about Joe Burrow's ability and the Bengals on it, what, what he's done to change it. It's will they spend money and will they shore it up or are they content? And and people took it. I, I saw some, I read, saw some stuff about, I think he said similar stuff on other shows at Radio Row, right? When he came on my show. And I, I think people took it as a knock on the Bengals. It's not a knock. It's called evidence. That's called been the there. Called the it, it's fact. 
Right. So now they got Burrow who who comes in with a couple other guys, but changes the culture in the building. They go ten and seven, and they play they just ballsy all through through the playoffs and get their ass handed to them physically at the line of scrimmage in a handful of games, and still, <clears throat> excuse me, find a way to come down to a three point game in a Super Bowl. Yep. Imagine if you take away half those sacks, even half the sacks, half the sacks in this game, seven or eight of them, and, and take half those sacks. That's one extra or two extra possessions, Grant. That may be the difference in the game for them. So whether it's protection calls, like on the on the fourth down call, 67. I, when I identify offensive linemen or defense, I always identify by the number. 67, let Aaron Donald run right by him. It, yep. it, just get a hand on him. Force him to go the long way. So, Burrow, one more split second, he may hit P. Ryan on that little comeback inside and get the first down and they tee it up again. You never know when that chip block or, oh, I got beat. Hell, if you're going to get beat that bad, grab his ass and, and we'll, we'll play another down. And we'll move it back, but at least it'll be fourth and 11. I got a chance to get a first down, but he got, he was just whiffed. You can't whiff on fourth and one. Can't. But yes, the investment part for me is two things. I still think they got to get better on the back end defensively. Okay. Defensive, you know, Eli Apple's an average player at best. He's, he's at just best. a guy. At best. At best. But you got to get better there. I think their defensive front seven's underrated, and you always want to upgrade with you know Hendricks past rushers, right? But the offensive line, if you if Burrow ever gets to the point where he's protected like Brady and Rodgers are, he's going to be unstoppable, right? That they will be in potential in in position to win that division every year over the next decade because he's that good. Did we just watch the greatest season in the history of the NFL by a wide receiver in Cooper Cup? I mean, statistically, the answer to that question is yes. But what do your eyes tell you? My eyes tell me that, you know, that there's been more. You know, we, we look at guys that can jump higher and run faster. You know, they're, they're, but I don't know anybody that does all of it better. Here's a guy who he's, he, can, he can set you up well enough that he doesn't have to run 4-3 to run by you. He looks fast in a uniform, right? Yeah. But he's quick. He cuts. And when they call a 12-yard route, they don't run it at 14. That dude will cut on a dime and leave you nine cents change, and he was precise. So they're dynamic, right? And even – like, he caught eight balls, and quite frankly, Grant, there's times I'm like – and the worst thing the guy does all year long is miss a, miss a, a throw to Stafford out the on a little wheel route, you know, and uh, QB special. But – Everything he does is done with look, for, put it this way the big picture over the year. Let's add blocking to this, too. He's as good a blocking wide receiver as there is in the league. He's committed to it on that touchdown that Stafford threw. Had to be one on the was it the final, the one where he hit in the back of the end zone where Cooper yep. Cup caught it running the pylon. Yep. When Eli Apple came up right. and he ran right by him, it wasn't that big a fake. Oh, you know why he did it when, when Cup came around. Cup is so good at chipping and sealing off the edge that he freezes people for a second because he's such a dedicated, committed blocker. And all he got, and he knows this, freeze him for a second, hit the ground, run at full speed, run right by him, and it creates space. So, I listen, we look at Moss and Rice and the 16, 18 touchdown tech catches, but triple count winner on a Super Bowl champion, and not by, none of it is by accident. And he blocks, and he can catch two balls, and he doesn't give a shit. Right. Do you realize, I think, twice this year, once both of them were against the Arizona Cardinals, five catches that he had under 100. Other than that, he's averaging 90 plus yards, eight catches a game, seven catches. But they're but they're not just catches that are that don't make a difference. They're catches that are clutch catches. 
Uh, my, my, my eye test tells me right now that you're going to have a hard time. And you know what? I'll bet you he'll be insane. I'll bet you if Stafford stays healthy next year that he will put up similar numbers. You know why, Grant? He doesn't take the simple routes for granted. You know what I'm saying? He, he's, he's not, he operates outside the numbers when he needs to. He operates inside the numbers and hash marks, too. He's not afraid to go take a hit. And his burst and his ability to, to, to just boom and cut and create separation for a guy that's not 4-2. So I, I I don't know. There's been some great ones. Rice and Moss have had some great years, but I got I'll, I'll, I'll damn well tell you, you ain't gonna find better. You, you the triple crown. I've seen more spectacular catches, but as far as lining up and knowing what I'm gonna get every week and it's gonna be dominant, yeah. you'll be hard pressed to find a better season as a wide receiver in the past or in the future. It was phenomenal. For those that don't know, you work in Houston. You're on the radio every day there, and during the game or right after the game. It was revealed that the lawsuit with Brian Flores has been amended to include the Houston Texans. And I had to read that twice because I couldn't fucking believe it. I just really could not believe it. And you and I talked about this last week. And I got to tell you, I don't think Brian Flores is looking good here. I, I really don't. I think this is a really bad look on the part of his legal team. And again, I say that not being an attorney, not understanding the legal system. But I, I that threw me for a loop. Was there much reaction in Houston over that? A lot. I, I, I don't know if a lot of people in other stations and, and people are talking about it as a buzz. It bothered the shit out of me. me too. And I'm one that's been supportive of Brian Flores' lawsuit. I get it. And it looks like Stephen Ross, don't play the I was just joking card on the 100,000. These are two separate things, right? Yes, two but separate things. I, and you can compartmentalize. This is for this. This is for this. And you, you, sh you, you do the right thing. And I think Brian Flores with, with the lawsuit has the right thing in mind when he initially filed it by changing the way we interview minority candidates. Right. There's no doubt we need to change. But in the specifics of this Houston, Texas thing, to me, it looks like he's looking at Lovey Smith saying, dude, you're lucky I filed this. Or you got no shot at being the cook. That bugs me. Whether he says it or not, his lawyers, you know, maybe lawyer talk, but they had to get it somewhere from somebody. Yep. And yeah, it bothers me because it diminishes Lovey Smith, who, quite frankly, over the course of his career, no offense to Brian Flores last two years, is more qualified over the oh, course yeah, of yeah. the Hey, if you put both resumes on a fucking table, if you put Brian Flores' Not resume, no question. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, And that doesn't mean Brian Flores isn't qualified. The problem is with all this talk, it diminishes how you feel about him saying, dude, you're a good football coach. Let it go. Brian Flores thinking the only reason that he didn't get hired – was because of a lawsuit, tells me that he doesn't have a whole lot of respect, at least on the surface, at least it appears to me, right. I'm not putting words in his mouth, to Lovey Smith, or his lawyers are full, are full of shit with the way they spoke for him, if that's the case. I understand trying to get all the, the firepower. There was nothing. The, the Texans hired an African-American coach in Lovey Smith. The Texans had an African-American coach in, in David Culley. Now, whether people think they don't like the past history of the organization, I get all the dysfunction. I'm focusing on what they said, lawsuit, what? You're going to, you're, oh, hey, listen, I'm going to sue you. You guys didn't hire me. First of all, you do reserve the right to hire whoever the hell you want, right. number yes. one. You're allowed that in the world of business after you've gone through the proper yeah. protocol rules to hire somebody. Secondly, so is he suing the Saints for hiring Dennis Allen? Is he suing the Raiders for hiring Josh McDaniels? Yeah. I mean, Let's uh, the Miami Dolphins who oh, they turned around and hired some people. They fight. You're already suing them. So Brad Flores is everything. And he, I don't know. The Texans thing just seems like a reach. I don't know. Not only is it a reach, but I got to tell you something. 
If I'm an owner and I'm a GM, I'm crossing Brian Flores off my list now. I would never interview him because I would never want to be in that position. You feel like if you order the wrong thing for breakfast, Flores is going to be pissed at you, right? right. If he's in your building that, well, hold on, dude. We went through the whole protocol. We, we, we interviewed, the, the, we, we did everything. And we may, we may not like the process of how they – Lovey Smith, I believe, if you thought Lovey was a candidate, he should have been up front getting interviewed, not as an – do I believe it looks from the Texas point that Lovey was an afterthought? Yes, I believe they made it look that way. But by no stretch of the imagination do I think they said, well, Brian Flores filed a lawsuit, so let's hire Lovey Smith. Now, there may have been some – hiring Josh McCown would have created a lot of – who wasn't, quite frankly, NFL head coach qualified yet – but to me, this whole thing, the Texans late with Brian Flores to interview him, feels like a slap in the face to Lovey. And then this lawyer's coming out and suing the Texans saying, assuming that he's, oh, that was my job, lucky. Basically, it sounded to me like he's saying, his lawyers, that Lovey Smith is lucky I filed that lawsuit or he had no shot at the job. That was mine. Right. It sounds like it, it just, it sounds so, I understand bitterness in some places in Miami and what he did. But the Texans didn't hire you, dude. Every time somebody doesn't hire you, you're going to say, well, I was the number one candidate. No, some people don't think you're the number one candidate. The more you keep doing this, yep. aside from the original good reason for the lawsuit and the, the, the way it should be, it looks like it's bitter beer face, man. Like, dude, go after the Dolphins. If you thought the Giants did it wrong, fine. But the Texans hired Lovey Smith. He's African-American. He's qualified for the job. Where's the lawsuit? Hey, you're not allowed to hire somebody else when I file law. And maybe they did hire Lovey Smith because they wanted Josh McCowan originally and they got scared. And they hired Lovey Smith because they didn't want to touch you because the lawsuit. There's no law against that either, right? right. <laughs> oh, we see it in players all the time. Well, he's got a bad, he did something we don't like. We're going to stay away from, well, we're not trading Watson yet. Why? Because they're worried about the legal. Yep. For different reasons, they're worried about the legal. So Watson can't get traded right now because teams are like, well, should we trade for him? Well, under that way, it's like, well, you trade for him anyway. You don't worry about – you know what I'm saying? It's just silly. Through all this, the main thing is Lovey Smith deserved more respect. Now, he got hired, one of 32 jobs. But just the process from Flores' guys and from the Texans making him an afterthought, Lovey Smith has, quite frankly, earned – or respect yep. this. So, yeah, I thought I thought Brian Flores on the Texans part of it. Yeah. He, may have, he may have hated the process, but it's frivolous to put yeah. the Texans in this lawsuit. Frivolous. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's awful. And now, yeah. you know, you and I kind of touched on this. I don't want to belabor the point too much, but. 
I wonder if the Deshaun Watson situation will be resolved before the draft. I just wonder if we'll know what the legal ramifications will be one way or the other. And will the Texans be able to move him before draft day? What do you think? You think coming the NFL draft this spring, you think Watson will still be a member of the Texans? What's your gut feeling? I I think I know that's what they want. Yeah. If if they're some, you know how they do their due diligence. No, don't kid yourself. There's been teams who have sent research or people to do their due diligence behind the scenes and they're finding out that, that are interested in Watson to send people here. I've been told this by a couple of insiders that sending people here to do their due diligence about Watson, even last year during the season, to find out, you know, talk to people, where's this legal part stand, right? If, in fact, let's say all of a sudden, Grant, March 15th, 12th or March 20th, March 25th, They've done due diligence, and the word is overwhelming from people in their circles when they spend money to go hire somebody to do it, to investigate this, that says there's not going to be any criminal charges. This will be all, you know, it will not be, it'll be settled out of court. If they hear that, I would imagine you'll see teams move on it then. Uh, The only thing is the reluctance is what's going to happen legal. Once they get a great feel that it's overwhelmingly to them that we can go do this, even if it's not cleared publicly, mm-hmm. you'll start to see them creep in towards let's get this done because you don't want to get left out and because somebody's going to go get him, whether it's Carolina or Denver or somebody else. But I, I imagine that his lawyers with all that, these high-powered lawyers are trying to push to find out how we can get it done for that. And I'm sure the Texans want it done. But the Texans, while everybody thinks the Texans don't hold the cards because Watson has no trade clause, he doesn't hold the cards. There's not a lot of options because if one team wants him and offers three ones, like we've said, he has no choice but to take it unless he wants to sit his ass out and not make 40 million bucks or 38 million or whatever it is. So I'm going to say by draft time, Deshaun Watson's in another uniform. Somebody will be desperate as that day creeps up. And remember, this isn't a strong quarterback draft. No, it's not. So for other teams that want a starter, they're going to like, we ain't finding a program or a career, a, a franchise changer in the draft, at least it appears. But that guy in Houston, if he's cleared to the legal stuff and he's ready to roll, that's a franchise changer. He's that good. So I'm going to say it is going to be cleared by then. But the truth is the Texans can sit back and say, we got nowhere to go. Davis Mills proved he can play a little. Got our coach in line. If Watson decides he doesn't want to get traded or somebody doesn't come up, we're not coming off our mark, which is three first rounders unless you make us an offer we can't refuse with two other picks and two other players and then two first rounders, whatever it is, it'll be a haul. And until you call me on the phone and I answer, I I don't have to do anything because we're not going to be very good next year regardless. So what's the rush? If Watson wants to, if if he, you know, pushes it to the side or somebody doesn't want her off, I ain't trading him for a a one and a three. So, but I'm going to say, the desperation towards the draft time starts to click in. And by the time that draft is here, Deshaun, I don't know if he'll be cleared, but I do believe Deshaun Watson. Why would you not trade him for a one and three if you know he's never going to play for you? Because they know they don't have to. But, 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 but if you're, if he's never going to play for you, at what point do you go, I have to move him? When you, when they go for you two first rounders, two seconds and a third, instead of three first rounders, two seconds and a third, and you just want to finally clear house. Because they know right now, looking around the landscape of the league, the desperation with quarterback situation, they don't have to. Because it does. Listen, if he doesn't show up and play for the Texans, if they don't want him to play, they don't. Then he gets to sit out, and if he doesn't come to camp, he doesn't get paid. 
He's not getting paid this year. If he if he doesn't show up, he get fined every day. But if he doesn't right. show up, and you're not going to play him. What good is that doing your team? Because five years from now, they can still get a one and a two. Right now, they're sitting there saying, "I get a one and a two. I could get, if they offered Watson right now, yep. to a team under the current legal circumstances, yes. and said, here, Carolina, just give us a number one and a number two. Carolina trade for him right now without even batting an eye over yep. what the legal legal stuff was. Right. They'd said they'd look at each other saying." Hell, that's worth the risk. Yep. If he doesn't play for a year or he's up, then we get him when he's 27 years old. Okay. Yes. So okay. I hold out. I don't, I don't, I'm not buying low. I, I, this isn't a, like in business school, you buy low, sell high. Okay. I ain't buying, I, we bought him high and paid him all that money. I ain't selling low. The guy's too good. So I don't have to move on this. All right. I want to talk to you about two teams and I want to put you in the front office. If you were in okay. the front, and, and by the way, I'm putting you in the front office of two teams that are pretty good. Okay. OK, one was the number one seed and another one just missed the playoffs. So you're the general manager of the Titans. You're the general manager of the Colts. And I'm saying to you, all right, your quarterback's Ryan Tannehill and your quarterback's Carson Wentz. You're the GM. Are you keeping those guys? Do you feel that with a good team, they're good enough to get you where you want to go, which obviously is the Super Bowl? Or are you going in a different direction? I've seen enough to know right now that I'm not sure that and I, I you know, I think. Ryan Tannehill's a good player. Right. Ryan Tannehill can't carry you through a playoffs without Derrick Henry or a good roster around him. Good player. He's proven he can get me to a point. Right. But if the point's to get to January, keep Tannehill. If the point's to get to February, you probably if the if there's a better odd now, Grant, I always say this. If you like somebody, but you love a guy that's out there and you think you can get him, go after the guy you love. You just you just do it. No, I'm sorry, Tannehill. Uh, if all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is available for a first and a second round pick and we can get him, I, I, I hate to tell you, buddy, and they'll take you with the trade to Green Bay, then you've got to go. I mean, and that because we love him. If you got two guys that you like and you feel it's a lateral move, Tannehill's been pretty committed to you and has done a nice job, keep him. The other side of it is in Carson Wentz. I, I, I detect that there's, I don't know, there just feels to me Carson Wentz has got more ability than Tannehill but there's something just there's something missing from when Chris Ballard when he talked in the past tense about Wentz after the season was over like we thought the move was a good move then yeah it's like oh my gosh uh, I, something Carson Wentz will never be a top five player in this league again no. at his position no Tannehill never been a top five player's his position if I could get Watson, which he's not going into the division, so bold, well, that's out. If I could get – listen, okay, let's say 49ers wanted to trade Garoppolo and Tennessee offered or Colts offered a second-round pick. I was just going to ask you that. Take him because he knows how to win. In, he's been in a Super Bowl. I would trade. He's more efficient than either one. Not as, He may not be more talented than Wentz. Right. He may not be as, you know, in the system there, but – and that's a semi-lateral move, right? But a guy who's, quite frankly, been to an NFC championship game and a Super Bowl two out of the last three years. Even though he's got a good team, he's somebody's still got to take those snaps, right, under center. And if Joe Montana's too, that's, that's exactly right. So for me, if Rodgers or Wilson were available for the right price and you could move one of them or even a possible Garoppolo, Watson in another division, if I'm the Saints or the Broncos or somebody, I'm all over it. I, I mean, I'm all over it. I'm trying to get him as long as it doesn't 
mortgage my franchise to the point that by giving up three number ones, it's not going to matter if he's there because we're going to suck anyway. If you've right. got a good group and you can afford like the Rams right. to get rid of an asset or two first rounders and bring in a quarterback that is the, is it gets you over the top and, ta- and, and Stafford proved he could, then you do it. Listen, I'm always for that high school kid at the dance, right, who got his braces off. And the, 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 the senior, he's at the dance as a sophomore. The senior walks in, and your girl's got her braces on. You're not real sure what she's going to look like in three years. I'm, I'm being a little – and then the girl that everybody in school loves, and she comes over and starts dancing with you, and she's the hot – you know, the, the, the senior that everybody wants to take to the prom. Well, take her to the prom. Makes sense? I, and and then, then if it works out for two years, then go back and visit the young one when she gets her braces off in the headgear three years later, right? But – you get my point, right? We've all been there, right? It's like, gosh, I got this girl, but, but man, the senior, she's a little older, a little. I, I, could, I, could I just have a dance with her to, to like, okay, cool, I got him. All my buddies are over in the corner. And then, okay, then the girl gets her headgear off and uh, they're from the and it's three and she's now. You're me, uh, dude. It's true. Tell me you have to go to school with a girl with a headgear. And you said, oh my gosh. And then by the time you were a freshman in college, she's like, what? So, and I mean it respect. You get my point, right? The dance. Right. Everybody's got their, well, general managers do it all the time. Oh, they're looking over your shoulder, who the next, or movie actor. They're always looking over the shoulder, who's the next one, right? Right. If you can get Rodgers, you do it. You do it. But I sense Tannehill stays, Carson Wentz is gone. That's my hey, you opinion. Know, we're, we're on no filter network, so you can say shit like that. Now, I don't know if you could just you know, give that analogy on your radio show. Without Why not? I didn't rip anybody. I didn't say make, I said simply a dance and the girl with braces headgear, that's evidence and fact. You know, you know damn well, someone's going to call up and bitch and complain on your radio station. Here it's no Well, problem. guess what? Here's the fucking phone number. Okay. I, told okay. you what Jack, hey, I told you what Jack Youngblood did with me on TV once, right? Uh, Jack, no. Jack and I did the Canadian Football League for two years. First ever game in Sacramento. Sacramento, believe it or not, was in the Canadian Football League for two years. So the first game is against Doug Flutie and the Calgary Stampeders. It's in Sacramento. It's fucking like 105 degrees for a 6 o'clock kickoff in July. And the Sac State Choir was on the field singing the national anthem. The guys were in black tuxes and the gals were in long green gowns. So we come back from commercial break. Grant Napier, Jack Youngblood, and Jack goes, Man, is it hot up here? I go, well, Jack, it could have been worse. You could have been on the field in a black tux singing the national anthem. And he says, Grant, I'm up here sweating like a fat girl. Okay? On TV. Grant, I'm up here sweating like a fat girl. And I'm oh, like, No, but you know blood. You know, oh. like, listen. Now, now listen to me, Sean. I, I pause for like two seconds, and I go, folks, that's young blood with a Y. And I just go on with your and and meanwhile I'm trying not to piss my pants, okay, from that comment, you know? Okay, but you know what? If you said it's a fat guy, sweat like a fat guy, it'd be okay. And it says it's crazy. And nobody mean to some we're not fat shaming anybody. I'm not well, I'm kind of shaming the person with the braces headgear, kind of. Because look the the well, if it put it this way, if those braces headgear we can't laugh at them. Then why don't they have them anymore? Why don't I ever see anybody? Because why? Because they sucked, and nobody wanted to wear them. And now they got better dentists doing orthodontists doing better stuff, so we don't have to wear the headgear. Point is, and point is, it was just a simple dance. And if somebody's uptight about any of that stuff, guess what? Hey, get a life. I uh, yeah, you got something else to do. The bottom line is, I mean, if get in fact, if in fact. 
the, the, the hotter dance partner walks in on dancing with the stars. Yep. Get to the hotter partner and, and move on so you can have a chance to win a championship in the course of a quarterback. Period. What I'm saying, though, we're on No Filter Network. No one gives a shit. We can do whatever we what want. What are they going to do? Take the fucking scholarship? That's already happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, isn't it interesting that James Harden leaves Brooklyn? They are ultra competitive in their first game down in Miami. Then last night they beat the Kings 110 to 85. But I'm hearing comments coming out of the Brooklyn locker room talking about how everybody's together and how much better it is and how the guys really like each other now. They got rid of a major problem. Philadelphia has no fucking idea what they're about ready to get into here. And didn't Harden just back out of the All-Star game? Was that hammy hurt a little bit? Oh, my God. Yeah, so he can be at a strip, strip club, club somewhere. Yeah, strip club lap dance, get to him a little bit, get a lappy, and it hurts some hammy. Let me in. Would you rather be in Cleveland for a February weekend or would you rather be in Vegas or somewhere at a strip club? You know what I mean? Come on now. Well, well that's called analytics, brother. Strip club it is. <laughs> analytics. <laughs> listen, listen. When you're not guessing at these things, not you, but any of us, when it, when it's, when you see stuff that points to it, like if a guy throws, completes 59% of his passes for nine years in a row, that's called evidence. He's not accurate. If a guy's a great offensive player but doesn't make anybody better and somehow, some way, late in, champi- in championship moments, semi-disappears, doesn't mean he's a bad player. Doesn't mean he can't score 30 a game. Doesn't mean he's not an MVP guy. He ain't winning a championship. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, listen, and if the player – you, you want to know when you find out how, a, how the real feeling about a player – Listen to the dudes in the locker rooms or in the clubhouses in baseball. They will tell you with their actions and with their, hey, do you miss Harden? And they smirk or smile or they don't say anything or any other player like that. And sometimes one man, one team's trash is another team's treasure. So he may go there and they may love him for a minute and they may not. But listen, there's evidence that says along the way, James has burned a few teams along the way. Yes. And – He's going to be wearing as many rings as I am. Well, I got great NBA championship rings as I am when this is all said and done. And he'll test your patience. Great talent. Here's the sad thing. When you say this, people are saying, what do you do? You don't know anything about basketball. Yes, I, I do know plenty about basketball. Great talent, a very bad team underachiever. Yes. Hall of Famer, he's going no doubt. But he's going in that Hall of Fame like some others that were actually more team guys than him but never got one. Without that ring on his finger. I'll tell you this. Bottom line. You know, if, and again, we keep on saying if, if Durant is healthy and Irving's allowed to play in the home games and Ben Simmons is is on the floor, I would not want to have to play that team in a playoff series because we talked about this. Simmons is going to take away your best offensive player, and then you have to have guys that can play and contain Irving and Durant. I, I don't know who in the East that would be. Agreed. And here's this, too. Is Grant, think about this. Seth Curry goes out and bangs to so that spacer, hits 23 last night. Yep. Was it last night or the night yeah, before? Last night against Sacramento. Last night, yes. 23, right. He knocks out his 23 and knocking down shots, so comfortability. And you know what, too, is so imperative for the for the Brooklyn Nets is, you know, all the stuff that surrounded Ben Simmons, and rightfully so in Philly, yep. a headache. And can you hand – Philly didn't want the migraine, so they decided to go get another migraine uh, and bring him in. And but who's a better offensive player, at least a shooter and scorer. Simmons is a better perimeter defender and 
pretty good facilitator. Although James can pass, Simmons can as well. Right. But for Brooklyn and the players on that team to bring Simmons in without – I know everybody gets preconceived notions, but let him come in and let's see how he fits with us. Is Ben Simmons – does he fit in with us? I don't ever like to judge a book by like, okay, he was a pain in the ass somewhere else. Like, for instance, Odell Beckham. We heard that pain in the ass. He comes to L.A. and all of a sudden he's a, a star hero fits right in. And people have those questions now. Will it be that way four years down the road? And a speedy recovery and best wishes to him because I think as a free agent, he'll re-sign with them and he'll get back late in the season next year with a possible playoff run. So good for him. So he went from that to the Rams, embraced him, and, it will, and it's gone well. So it doesn't have to be everybody's team. But for the Brooklyn Nets to say, okay, let's see what Ben's got and welcome him in and see if he gets, okay, let me at least get back to playing some basketball. And you're right. Spacers, Drummond, if Curry can knock it down, healthy KD, depending on uh, Kyrie Irving, now you're talking, now Milwaukee take notice. It's different. Now, now they're different because KD can take on anybody, and he's a pretty damn good defender himself because he's long and can guard as well, and we know what he is on the offensive end, and he's got balls. So I, I, I'm with you, Grant. I, I I know on the surface with the talent, everybody thinks Philadelphia won it, and they did. James is more talented than anybody they got. But when it comes to the overall team picture, I don't think Philadelphia – I mean, I don't think Brooklyn lost this trade. I don't. I, no, no, they no, they did no. not. Yep. Hey, uh, you're on a station in Houston that carries the Astros. They're still going to be one of the favorites. They're really good. We know that. Uh, the lockout does not seem like it's close to ending. And I know that we just got down with football. Do you get any talk about that on your show, or is it a non-story right now? No one gives a shit because – No, I bet. Making it – Grant, you'd be shocked. The lockout in baseball is a bigger story in our town than the Super Bowl. Wow, People, really? yeah, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl was fine. I mean, I spent – we spent an hour talking about it. I brought it up today. Really? Looking at Rob Mann for the lockout. They don't even have another friggin' meeting scheduled. It's a fucking I, embarrassment. No, it is. It's, it's, it's a joke. I don't friggin' get it. The last thing these guys need – is need McGuire to come out of retirement, hit 70 home runs, and save their ass again by spike. Let's say they start in, in, in May. Let's, I mean, we're at February 15th. Yep. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today. So you keep pushing this back, then all of a sudden, and you can't speed up spring training. Why? You ain't going to worry. You're not going to throw Jacob DeGrom out there with two less weeks of spring training yep. to worry about blowing out his, his, his rotator cuff or a dog on having Tommy John, right? So you're going to make sure that you get through it. So if that starts games late and you get 148-game season, yeah, it's short, 14 games. But it's still not a good look for baseball. They've known all this time to get here. The thing that chaps – I know negotiations with Tony Clark and Rob Manfred, they go back. But, Grant, okay, let's just say that you're negotiating for a player, free agent, you want to get him or you keep him before camp starts. Aren't you sitting at the table – where your eyes are getting tired, you take two-hour rest and get your ass back to the negotiating table. What, what? Why all the time in between? Okay, Rob Manfred, what the fuck is he got to do yep. during the day if it isn't get this done? I understand you got to be a family man. I'm not saying it's all his fault. He he be bothers me a little bit. I yep. I don't know if real. I actually don't think Rob Manfred's a big baseball guy, mm-hmm. and I think you got to love baseball. That doesn't mean he's not decent in some areas at his job, but I, I don't think he's a great commissioner. But no, he's I'm not. Saying, I'm putting myself in there. If I'm the commissioner, I don't care. Don't don't give me the well, mine hangs down farther than yours. That's not the case here. Winning winning negotiations and getting back on the field is not beating somebody over the head with a sledgehammer. It's both of you feeling like you won. And the only way you can negotiate is get your ass in front of each other. 
Hey, the, and I, the, the, I know I mean, it's unbelievable. And and again, the people that are getting fucked here are the restaurateurs, the bar owners, and all these small towns in Florida and Phoenix. All the parking attendants, all the ushers, all the concessionaires, all the little guy once and get is getting fucked. To me, and I said this on my podcast last week. Baseball is so tone, tone deaf to what's going on in our society right now. They are completely not dealing with reality. They're all walking around with fucking blinders on, you know, thinking that here we are, billionaires and millionaires can't come to an agreement. And they have, they're just, they're, they're totally tone deaf to what's going on in our country. And the fans don't have a seat at the table. I mean, I'm including with the fans is the, the, the guys we're talking about. They require that second job to pay that bill, right? Mm -hmm. But I can tell you this, players, no disrespect. I'm, I'm usually on the player side in these things. But no player in any union meeting I've ever been in in my life, in my 10 years of playing professional football, did we worry about the college freshman who was going to be playing baseball later on or the high school senior or football in our case playing? Never once did we talk about, yeah, but what are we going to do for the guys that come after us 15? Nobody gives a fuck. They, right. they don't. And they, they don't even worry about what they're going to be doing 15 years from now, like insurance, uh, benefits. They care about in that window that I'm playing, how much do I get paid? When am I a free agent? And what are my benefits? Right. And until they're out of it for 10 years and they spend it all, then you look back saying, shit, I should have fought for something different. But regardless, I, I take the player's side. Okay, so we can't get it done. But Grant, why every second that clips by and clicks by, why, if I'm, I put myself in Manfred's shoes, and Tony Clark's shoes, and I'll say Rob Manfred. The second one meeting's over, I said, dude, before we leave this meeting, it needs to be on the books. We, we schedule the next one. And we shouldn't be leaving town, whoever flies in. I know you got to see your families. But, you know, just like you do to players, hey, we're going away to camp, your families, we only get to see them once a week. Guess what your ass has got to do? Sit at the table, keep hammering it out so we get started on time. Because it tells me that it's so nonchalant, oh, we'll wait till they – What's the counter proposal? Why aren't you ahead of this knowing what you anticipate they're going to bring back to you? I, I just, I can't get the grown men and women to sit at a table and get it done. So we talk about it at, a lot on my show because yep. Houston is a, Texas is a football state, Grant. Yeah. Houston is a baseball town. They don't trust the Texans. The Rockets aren't good yep. right now. We carry them to put it this way over the last three months, we've talked a thousand more times the lockout than we have Rockets basketball. No shit. They're playing the regular season. Wow. And and and, and that, I mean, love Steven side. I understand they have, yeah, they yeah. got to win. Yeah. But it's just reality. It's reality. It doesn't move any. I mean, right now when you're not playing well, those things have trouble moving the needle. What moves the needle is now people that now Astros fans and baseball fans. After about a week of this, they're going to be getting restless because they're thinking about planning their spring training trip and get yep. ready to start the season on time like we all do, and rightfully so. And unfortunately, as you mentioned it, the people who always who always talk about taking a sledgehammer to the head, and those yep. fans, guess what they're going to do? You're going to pay the same price in every city, and then it's going to yep. get hiked up. They're not going to say, you know what, thanks for being a great fan. Let's let's drop that hot dog in, in half, seven, all, not just dollar dog night. Well, you're going to play dollar dogs all year long in all the ballparks. You're going to buy – your beers are going to be $2.50. <laughs> sure they are. So the fans and those people you're talking about that rely on it – and I know the players want to play, and I know the owners want to play, but you know what, the only way you can get it done is if your ass sits there and negotiates. Like, not, not like an eight-year-old child that take your ball and go home. Schedule the meetings. Why are we waiting? Schedule them. We are February fucking 15th. Yep. Pitchers and catchers should be out in Scottsdale and Sarasota, Florida, and all those yep. other places. Warming up and doing Winter Haven and doing all the it's shit they do. Right. It's a joke. 
I mean, yep. you know, even if they came up with a deal this week, you know, you got to ratify it. Then you got to, I mean, it's still, everything is going to be fucking delayed now. It's just a joke. It really is. I, you know, you surprised me by what you just said of all the talk that goes on in Houston. And again, I'm, I, I, I only go to Houston when I was doing the Kings and the Rockets. So I didn't spend a lot of time there. I obviously have known about their infatuation with baseball there when it's not football season. But I, I, that surprises me what you just said. I didn't expect there would be that much talk. Here, here's the talk. When's Watson getting traded or why? There's still people, why, why aren't we keeping him? You get that? The head coaching thing with when David Culley left, who's going to be the coach was talk, dominates because it's football season. Then you mix in some other stuff where, you know, well, is Rodgers the MVP and, and it, who's going to win a Super Bowl? And then it goes after that. It's Astros. What Carlos Correa is, Carlos Correa has been talked about more this fall than, quite frankly, Grant Watson and Correa. The, I, can that's his, that. I can see that. Week ten, the Texans are two and four. People would rather talk Carlos Correa's contract, waiting to see if he ends up in yep. Boston, in New York, in Los Angeles, or somewhere else. Is now that football season's over, their their mind shifts to two things: Correa, Watson. Yep. And probably in that order, to be honest with you, Grant, even though they know unequivocally for the most part, but they're hanging on a thread that both of them are gone. That yep. for one reason, Watson's getting traded. And Correa, Mr. Crane, who I love, Jim Crane's a phenomenal owner, is not going to pay him $330 million for 10 years, or they already would have. You wouldn't right. let him touch him. So he's going to go get his money somewhere else. He's not coming. And we know for the most part in this town that both of them are leaving for different reasons. And yet, still, the talk and the Correa stuff now is going to ramp up as we start to hear the whispers. Now, but until the lockout's over, that's all it's going to be is whispers because you can't sign. So there you have it. All right, buddy. You have a good rest of the day, all right? Keep those fucking no, talks. we're already done. Damn, what a that was fast. Look at you getting me, get me all riled up. Hey, look at this right here. See this being for Boston, Red Sox? Take a look, brother. Number one. We're number one. I thought that and by the way. I thought that was a Barcelona shirt. The Barcelona <laughs> should be. Hey, they're, they're, at least they're playing soccer or something, right? Hey, by the way, you were the guy. You yeah. wore the fucking headset, didn't you, in school? Did you? Were you the uncool guy that had the braces headset? That was you, wasn't it? Uh, you know what? I never had braces. Me either. Never had my wisdom teeth pulled either. So I was. I mean, Me so I, it, it, you know, you didn't either. No. What our mouths are so big because. Our, 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 our wisdom teeth fit in there, right? Now, but yeah, you, 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 were you the cool guy in high school real quick? Were you, were you like the cool guy there? Everybody like, oh, that's Grant Napier. He's the I was shit. Popular. I, you know, I don't know if I was cool, but, you know, I, yeah, fuck, I don't, you know. I so basically you're telling me when you went to that, you were the hot guy that walked in that all the girls said, I got to have Napier. Napier that, that, that definitely was not the fucking case. You know what? Honestly, in high school, I was so into playing sports. I was so into playing football and lacrosse. I was a really good lacrosse player. Got a scholarship to go to college. That that my focus in high school was only sports. Like the listen, sports and academics for me. Yeah, the same thing. I'm dead serious. I, I'm telling you right now. now people look at me and I got the college. Say you a lying son of a bitch. No, it's true. Listen, I didn't know the difference between a French manicure and a French kiss when I was a sophomore. <laughs> but I could dunk on your ass. Okay. <laughs> Hey, I'm I'm like, way, man. hey, I'm like, I did to dance and slow. I'm like, man, what, I, I'm, true story now. I got to end with this. I know it's taking longer. Does it cut us off in like a minute? No, we could go. I, I, I'm 
like freshman, they have like the king, the king, queen print, you know, the homecoming. And so I'm pr freshman prince, dude. I don't have a clue. So you got to kiss the girl. And the gal I kissed was a, a little more mature than I was. Let's just put it that way. So when you walk through the veil, when they introduce Jay, freshman prince and princess, Sean Salisbury, and I'll leave her name out. Great girl, but comes walking up. you got to stop at the thing and kiss him before you walk down the red carpet. But, you know, dude, I go leading up to it. I'm talking about my, I said, what, I a couple of my buddies said, what happens if she, if she puts her tongue in my mouth? What do I do? I dude, I was, I was so friggin' clueless. And that's a true story. So now I was scared to death. I didn't care about anything else. I had the tux on and the rest because freshman plays on Thursday, varsity yeah. on Friday. I'm walking down there. And the only thing I could think of for a month, it screwed me up and taking tests in school. Cause I'm thinking I'm going to fuck this up and I'm going to be the laughing stock. And so I kind of gave her a peck and kind of a sim a little bit of time. I didn't know what I was doing. If I ever got then I took her to the dance the next night. My old man had to drop me off when we left. I walk up to the door and I'm like, just got a peck and I leave. And I'm like, thanks, Dad. I didn't, dude, I had no clue. I had no friggin' clue, right? So there you have it. All big talk now, but you know what? You might as well have put headgear braces on me because I, I that's about how much pull I had as a freshman in high school. There you go. You're a fucking beauty. Nice. You know that? Yeah, I still don't know how to French kiss, but man, there you go. And I do know <laughs> French maker is. <laughs> On that note, we'll say goodbye. That's <laughs> really will. Hey, by the way, it's hotter than ever. What'd you, what did Young Blood say? <laughs> oh, I love you, brother. Thank you. I love you too. We'll see you All on right. Thursday. All right, man. Thanks. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus